Now, an exciting project indeed for ourselves at the Irish Rally Podcast over the next couple of months because uh, we have the small matter, uh, quote-unquote, of Barbados Rally Carnival. Everything Rick, you need to know about it. There's you're very welcome. There's a Barbados, there's a rally in it, so quite the carnival. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of people in Ireland have known about it for some time, but there's obviously a lot of people that maybe don't. So, Greg Coase, you're, you're very welcome to the Irish Rally Podcast. Um, you've been involved in all things motorsport in Barbados for, for quite some time, and it's great to have you here. Thank you very much, Kevin. So, where do we start with this? I suppose maybe we'll we'll go back and look at our history a little bit, because uh, the two standout-ish things for me, which we will come to later, in the interview here are when Plum Tindall and RPM went out uh, to Barbados and covered it very, very well, I might add. Um, we're under a bit of pressure. I don't think we'll follow exactly in those footsteps. So we'll do our best, Greg. We'll do our best. But the history of, of motorsport out there, I suppose, and what's led us to what we're about to experience over the next couple of months. Yeah, so uh, rallying here started as regularity events, navigational events, uh, back in 1958. And... There was a bit of circuit racing in our in our history as well in the in the early 70s so there'd be a few irishmen about Derek mcmahon and alec Poole and and a few others and gabrielle koenig most importantly for for uh, our project this year <clears throat> and then we started special stage rallying in what would be 1988 by stringing a few hill climbs together and then what became Rally Barbados, I guess, really started with Texaco's sponsorship about 1990. So from 1990, uh, Kenny McKinstry first came over in 1993, and he was invited by the chairman of the Rally Club, Andrew Phillips, who was very friendly with Gabrielle Koenig. After Gabrielle raced there in 72, she bought a property here and used to spend a lot of time here on holiday and, and more than holiday, really. So she got together with, with Andrew Phillips on Andrew's holiday over in Ireland and introduced Andrew Phillips to Plum Tyndall. So Alan Tyndall, when Phillips asked uh, Plum what was the best way to get Irish drivers over, he suggested bringing a TV crew uh, to follow Kenny McKinstry. Uh, Kenny won the rally and Plum uh, reported on it and the rest kind of followed from there. So by the time we got to 1998, uh, 1999, the interest from international competitors had had fizzled, really. It wasn't really a very big international entry. By 2000, there was only one international entry. <clears throat> so we had to come up with a new plan. So Martin Sharp, uh, who was the editor of Cars and Car Conversion magazines, we were on a bit of a bender one day after, after the rally, Tesco rally. And Sharpie, who said, you know, this rally is kind of shite really but you fellas really know how to have a good time you should maybe create some kind of a rally carnival and that is exactly what we did so we at the time there was a rally sprint course at silverstone which had been built uh closely following the design that michel Mouton had put in grand canary and they were running the loctite rally sprint series at silverstone and uh, one of the people who competed there was Ollie Clark. And I went to school with Matt Clark. So we went to see this rally sprint track at Silverstone and we were completely amazed by it. And uh, we got rather unusually stuck in a pub for about four or five hours after with some <laughs> real proper rallies. 
uh, Ollie was there, and Andy Dawson was there, and Tony Pond, and a, a whole bunch of O'Reilly's were there. And we asked them, if you could build this track again better, what would you do? And they said three things. They said, first of all, don't put a jump in it because it breaks cars. Secondly, don't put a water splash in it because it kills cars. And thirdly, make it much bigger and much wider. So we came back to Barbados, built the rally sprint track of Auckland's Raceway. <clears throat> one lap of that is three kilometers. So you go around, as you know, it's a rubber band kind of turned over on itself. So one lap is 3K. And then in 2001, we created the Barbados Rally Carnival, which had a rally sprint one weekend and Texco stage rally the next weekend. And that was an instant success. And, and basically everything, all the legend you would know about rallying in Barbados was built up, starting with the Barbados Rally Carnival in 2001. And Plum was involved from the beginning, obviously he reported on the numerous Irish drivers that came and the rest, as I say, is history. <clears throat> so that went on until the Texaco pulled out shortly after. And then in 2008, was the last year that the Texaco Rally, which became Rally Barbados, was part of the Barbados Rally Carnival. Then in 2010, we changed, we moved the carnival to August because it's a big problem having an event at the end of May when kids are in school. Obviously, it's, a, it's meant to be a motorsport holiday, right? So you've got to take your kids on holiday if you're going to Barbados. <clears throat> so that is a, a, a bit of a problem. And it's also a problem getting foreigners to attend if they're in the middle of a championship. So what we did was we shifted it backwards in time to the end of uh, August. We made it historic that year, we ran it for a few years as, as historic. And now this year we're shifting it, well not this year, two years ago, we started moving it back to the end of November to avoid everybody's championships. So uh, people can send their car away for four weeks or five weeks and not really miss it. So that is where we are now this year. This year what we're doing is we're uh, re-emphasizing the rally element of the carnival, not just rally cross, rally sprint, etc. And we're going that side and we're doing it with the help of our old friends in Ireland and what used to be RPM and uh, Tony Kelly, etc. So that's how we got where we got to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a, it's a lovely link, I suppose. Obviously, Tony Kelly, very much a part of the Irish Rally Podcast setup now as well. And um, of course, what of missed out on, on those experiences with, with Plum and stuff. So it's nice. I, I know there's something in the often there in terms of Tony going over, covering the event, obviously, but um, competing as well, I, I believe. So there might be uh, there might be something on the cars there. I don't know how much or how little you can say at this particular juncture, but um, I think she's going to have a pretty good week of it anyway. Yes, I think she will. You know, the Barbets Rally Carnival changed lives, right? And that is that sounds cliche, but it's a fact. So um, Martin Stockdale, for instance, he came here for the first event and he used to uh, do a different event around the world every year. And he's done some events in places that you don't even think would have roads, far less have rallies. <clears throat> and since he came here, he's been here every single year. Sometimes he's been here twice a year. We've had people who've come here to rally and then come back on holiday uh, later on in the year or a different time of year. So it really has been life-changing event for people who take their social life much more seriously than the rallying. Barbados is not a place to come if you take your rallying seriously because our, our stages are short. 
Uh, you spend a lot of time in the car for not a lot of stage mileage. So we will never be able to have a rally as good as a, a rally in Ireland. That's not possible because we don't have the roads. But we can party like rock stars. We're extremely good at doing that. <clears throat> and as I said, the rally sprint track is an extremely good one. In fact, if I do say so myself, it's probably the best one left in the world. So that integrated with the week in between the two motorsport events is what makes the Barbados Rally Carnival what it is. And Tony this year, she is going to be following in the footsteps of Gabrielle Koenig 50 years ago, another Irish female uh, race driver, rally driver, who came here to Barbados and it impressed her so much that she bought a house and, and well, virtually stayed. So yeah, so Tony will be competing with another uh, female race and rally driver from England, uh, Sarah Hall. And we'll see where that takes us. Well, I hope it doesn't change lives too much because I need Tony back here to keep this show on the road, Greg. So don't Yeah, yeah. I know that'll be that'll be class. And I suppose in terms of um in terms of the itinerary, I mean there is there is quite uh there is quite a spectacle laid on. There's there's gonna be something for everyone across what, a period of about 10 days, roughly, Greg, I think, yeah? Yeah, the key to the whole thing is to use two weekends yeah. <clears throat> and then fill the week in between with social events. So the first weekend is welcome party and then the, the rally happens over one day. There's two stage venues used in both directions. So total mileage is probably going to be 70 kilometers or something like that, which is not a lot. And then there's a week of having a good laugh. And then the next Saturday is... Race, race of champions type rally sprint and then sunday is proper rally cross and then the uh prize given etc is a monday and then back to reality and it will be a harsh reality great <laughs> <laughs> so you know we've never <clears throat> when people talk about oversubscribed events and you know entries not being accepted etc and we've never treated this event like that we've never focused on who has the, the fastest most expensive car or it's, it's always been whoever enters first gets in first. So whether you've got an old rusty mini or whether you've got an, an old WRC car, everybody gets treated the same, right? And that also adds quite an element to the event because I think most people around the world are accustomed to getting into events based on experience and the type of car they have. And around here, we really don't care. Yeah, there's something there for everyone. And I suppose, uh, just uh, looking at that date range, so it all kicks off on the, the 24th of November on a Friday with that welcome party. As you said, the following day, you have the sprint over a Bushy Park racetrack and then onto the raceway the following day for the special stage rally. As you said, party central for the few days in between, but back on the Friday then, the 1st of December, we're looking at rally cross scrutiny, practice and welcome party for anyone, I suppose, maybe that's coming over for the second weekend only. Correct. <laughs> of December we have the rally sprint back at the raceway and rally cross on the Sunday the 3rd followed by the sunset party cruise on the December 4th uh, which obviously is the is the Monday now it's not just about this this is obviously the fundamental part of it but in order to be there in the first place Greg there is some key dates in mind to get the machinery over to Barbados so maybe you'll tell us a little bit about that yeah so basically decades ago we made an arrangement with Geist uh, who would be probably known as the banana boat people, uh, their ships travel to the Caribbean empty. So what we do is we load the cars into the holds of those ships to come over this way. 
And then when the ships are going back to UK, Portsmouth, uh, the cars are loaded into containers and go on the deck like a normal container ship would carry them. So the deadline to get the cars to Portsmouth is October 11th. And the cars have to be able to be rolled because they literally roll around in the hold and get, get stored away, lashed down in the hold of the ship. <clears throat> and all of the spares have to be carried in the car. So it's not necessary to bring a tent and all the rest of it, like you'd fill a whole service van if you were going, um, if you were going rally in Ireland, because we provide a bit of that. And it obviously isn't necessary for everybody to have a trolley jack, but everything else you need to bring except fuel. We have fuel here. We have Avgas, which is the same as 98 octane super unleaded that most people will be using anyway. And if you've got a turbocharged car, then we can buy uh, turbo fuel as well. Although it is nearly as expensive as rum, and I would recommend rum over turbo fuel any day of the week. <laughs> if the car handles that anywhere near like the human does in excess, then uh, we might have a little bit of trouble, I would say, with that. But yeah, I take, I take your point, I take your point. Now, the other thing to remember is, in terms of making all this happen, um, it's now as affordable or nearly the most affordable it's ever been. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah, so the reason that is, is because, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, because the rally is small, it doesn't cost a lot to run it. So we don't have the issues with, with high entry fees that maybe Europe may have. But also the, the shipping is subsidized by our tourism authority, whose job it is to bring tourists here at times of the year that are not what they would call peak times of the year. So they, they help pay some of the shipping costs and that then makes everything more affordable. So uh, 2,600 US dollars is where we're starting the entries this year. And when we run out of that subsidy uh, on the shipping, then it'll go up probably to $4,500. But uh, we'll see how we get on with entries first and get in as many as we can at that price. Mm -hmm. And in terms of classes, great. Near enough something for everyone. Yeah, I mean, we, we have modified cars here, just like you do. We have four-wheel drive cars. We have group uh, production cars. So, yeah, anything that, that has a logbook, basically, we can uh, find somewhere for it to race. Yeah. I mean, it feels like uh, you've got a lot of the, well, nearly all the bases covered, and it would seem like a no-brainer to, to, to get there, I suppose, for anyone that is at a loose end. Um, you've done, I suppose, and are doing as much as you can to encourage people to get there. And with that few days in between, I mean, what better place to be than Barbados? Well, you know, we've been doing it for a long time, right? Rally Carnival was 2001. And while it doesn't seem so in my, my uh, aging, addling brain, 23 years is a, is a pretty long time. So there, there are no mysteries left on what we do and how we do it. It's just a matter of introducing more people to the option of traveling, because a lot of us don't get an opportunity to travel with our rally cars, you know? So I would say anybody who can do it, just get on the job, get on the internet, you know, Facebook me, whatever, and uh, we'll get you, get you an entry. Mm -hmm. And I will give your email address. Uh, so it's spelled slightly different to your surname. So it's Greg at whosyourhuzier.com. Yes. Uh, the WhatsApp number plus one two four six two three three zero eight nine six and if anyone wants to contact the Irish Rally Podcast they can irishrallypodcast at gmail.com we're happy to share the details the brochure and and everything as well so I mean 
how many people are involved in in trying to make all this happen, Greg? I'm, I'm sure there's a, a fairly coherent and hard-working team there. Yes, and marshalling here is much more difficult than uh, marshalling in Ireland because we have so many interconnecting roads. You know, if if you think it takes maybe five people to run a, a tarmac stage in, in Belgium or Spain in terms of marshalling, uh, here it's got to be like 20. There, it's a very difficult place to control crowds and side roads and such. So, yeah, so the, the rally team, there's, there's going to be... Uh, two marshals teams of like 40, 50 people. And then there's a, a group of organizers of probably another 30. So yeah, it's it's quite um quite difficult. But everyone here is included in the social, you know? So it's it's not like you're suffering for your sport. And uh if it uh if it doesn't rain, the weather is, is quite good as well. So there's not too many hot cups of tea rolling around the marshal stations on rally day, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. And obviously, just on the date range as well. I mean, you've you've made the necessary adjustments that that you feel will enhance the whole thing. Um, in terms of of clashes with with other events, as you mentioned, but also in terms of affordability. Because right, if you move that on, we were having a chat off here. You move that on in a few weeks, then things get a little bit more expensive. So it seems like uh, it seems like you're in around that sweet spot that uh, that you need to be time frame wise anyway. Yes. So I guess mostly Caribbean. Around December 15th, that's when the official tourist season starts. And then the prices of flights, hotels, uh, hired cars, everything just about doubles. So we're as late in the year. Obviously, we're trying to avoid Killarney uh, because Killarney Historic is probably my favorite rally event ever. And we didn't want to clash with that. But we can't really avoid it while staying within the zone that, that we need to stay in. So what we might do next year is try to shift back maybe another weekend but that is yet to be determined mm -hmm. and year on year greg i mean i take it like every um organization you sit down you look at what went well what didn't i mean there must be or must have been a massive amount of adjustment made over the period of time that you've been involved which as you said is decades like oh yeah so <laughs> our club uh we're we're um, very fond of saying that we meet very often in a social way to organize things, right? Because like anything else, if there's no social aspect to what we're doing, it's kind of pointless even trying to do it. So our, our club would probably meet uh, 30 times a year to organize seven events. So yeah, it's quite a lot of organization, but also a lot of it is uh, repetitive. So it's a lot of fine tuning, not necessarily revolutionizing anything. And that repetitiveness is what keeps things rolling, you know? Nobody likes change, really. Uh, is it difficult or any easier, I suppose, where you are to try to keep everyone, I don't want to say on side, but everyone singing off the same hymn sheet? Because we know in Ireland, as good as the sport is, we, we do have people that clash from time to time, and let's be honest about it. Uh, and difficulties can arise over different things. Um, I don't know what that's like in Barbados, or maybe the whole, the whole culture, I would guess is probably a bit different but would there ever be any difficulties kind of around that in comparison to Ireland maybe? It's, it is the same. So there is a vein of uh, rally organizers and rally competitors here who take themselves entirely too seriously right and that happens in any organization. So you know when for instance we we never restricted service of cars in Barbados before 
because in, in our opinion, our ancient opinion, the more service there is, the more cars will stay in at the end or be in the event at the end. So there's no point a fellow going out for having two punctures when he's only got one spare wheel, when there could be a car waiting for him at the end of a stage with spare wheels on the jack. So recently, uh, one of our clubs here has a restricted service, which is going to have a negative effect on the sport and put a lot of, of low budget cars out of the event that would not normally be. And then there's other aspects of organization that, that you, you know, you can be too restrictive. <clears throat> For instance, you don't want to have transit speed limits when the police are out there to do their job. If they want to do the job, they'll go and catch you speeding and you deal with it. But there's no point in organizers getting involved in things that really don't concern the running of the event if you're trying to get as many cars to the end as possible in the most competitive way and there's always going to be the fellows who feel they can buy the most expensive car and come and collect all the pots they want but really have no idea what the sport is about so we are not immune from those same exact things that you know if they go unchecked by by the the masses or the vast majority will certainly make our sport more miserable uh, rather than more fun. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone probably needs a reality check from <laughs> from time yeah. to time, uh, and that's exactly. just the the nature the nature of it. And um, <clears throat> I guess I remember actually just something that sprung to mind. I can't think it was at '93 or or one when RPM went over, but uh, didn't a, a bus had to go down a stage at one stage? I think didn't it? Yeah, well, we have to when we when we get permission to close the roads. It's on the basis that we don't disturb the bus routes. So what we do is we try to select roads that don't have that many bus routes, but sometimes that's not avoidable. So what the, the, the deal is, the bus will come up to the start, just like everybody else in the queue, come up to special stage arrival, and then the marshals will produce a gap and the bus will go through, and then we start at the stage immediately after the bus has cleared the last control. So for foreign observers, it can be quite funny, but it is a condition of us closing the roads here. So we do what we got to have to do. Yeah, and is the bus get time? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the bus drivers are a bit more enthusiastic than others. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look, no, it's novel, and you, like I mean, again, I keep going back to RPM, but they captured the vibe of, of the whole thing quite beautifully. Like, and uh, it's some, it's summed it up. But even the opening segment in all one with Pro on the beach and the two ladies serving up the drinks. I mean, that's just iconic stuff. That that gets top. <laughs> you know, yeah, so I think, you know, the Barbadians and Irish people share that. I think across all sports and life in general, it can't be taking itself too seriously, right? That leads to all kinds of other problems. So I think Plum Plum understood that from the first time he, he set foot here, and that is what the Rally Carnival has maintained from that day to today. We don't come here and expect it to be a, a, a serious event for people who take themselves seriously. That is a that's setting yourself up for failure. We can guarantee you, if you have a bit of a social bone in your body, that you'll have a good time. And by the way, you get to bring your rally car. <laughs> what more could you want? What more exactly. could you want? What more could you want? The enthusiasm for the whole thing, Greg, is is infectious. It's it, it's unbelievable. And I think if people had half your enthusiasm in, in order, would be would be going well. But um, at any point, I have to ask the question, at any point, do you become stressed about the whole thing even for a, uh, even a minute could you even no. admit to be stressed about it for no, a minute not really no not really we have a much more laissez-faire kind of attitude to life i think you know it is what it is so yeah. as long as everybody does their little bit then things go smoothly yeah 
But whatever that secret recipe or formula is, you might let me know. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> I'll share it around because I suppose contrary to the, the popular belief, yes, there is a, a, a definite crossover not taking life too seriously. But I suppose there is, um, I think Ireland since COVID, Greg, to be honest with you, has, I suppose at times become, uh, I'm not going to say bitter, but there can be a bit of griping and people probably get a little bit antsy about things. And then, you know, I mean, that that probably has changed a little bit in Ireland, uh, but we don't have the, have the crack and that will never change, of course. But I just wonder during that period in Barbados, like, how how you kind of manage that, and and now how you're coming out on on the other side of it, and still able to maintain that that line of thought, that level of thinking, that optimism, and as you said, that laissez-faire style. Well, the, the thing about it is that you know when you're organising motorsport, you have to be serious about your safety. You have to be serious about keeping people in line, making sure everybody does what they're meant to do. But as an organiser, you also have to travel. So I travel a lot to other events around the world. I travel with my eyes open and, you know, we speak to people. I have friends organizing events, four corners of the globe. And their experiences, when I, when I share my experiences with them and they share theirs with ours, you can find solutions. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example of how an organizer needs to stay on top of things, right? <clears throat> One of my passions is historic rallying. And historic rallying started out quite cheap because there were a bunch of old cars sitting around doing nothing and you can buy them for next to nothing and go on and rally and have a good time. And then because historic rally rules don't change, in other words, if you build a Porsche or an Escort, you've got to build it exactly like it was and you don't have to build it again next year because somebody has a faster one. Then people started spending serious money. So now around the world, there are probably 30 times more uh, Group 4 Escorts than ever existed back in the day. But now they've become just as expensive or even more expensive as they were back in 1978 and 1979. So if organizers don't do something to temper this issue, then you make big mistakes and you exclude people. It's like the FIA adding turbocharged cars to the historic rules. Well, the turbocharged four-wheel drive cars is what ruined rallying for the vast majority of people in the first place. So there's no reason to repeat mistakes of 30 years ago. And there's no reason to repeat mistakes that some other organizer made on his event two years ago. You just have to be aware of those issues, you know, keep your head in, in your books and, you know, understand that rallying culture will always be the same and competitiveness will always be the same and keep those people in check. So what we did here immediately before COVID is we created a rally class for BMW 318 TI compacts. Those little E36 BMWs handle better than an Escort and they are tough like tractors tough. And what it allowed people to do, people who were not in the sport, it allowed them to get in and people who were in the sport and got out because of, of the cost of it, it allowed them to get back in. <clears throat> and those little cars, that class of car, we've been rallying, racing, rallying, rally crossing all over the Caribbean. Uh, and it has become immensely popular because people who want to have a good laugh, they don't want to break down, they don't want to spend a lot of money, will gravitate towards these fun ways of getting into rallying. While the other fellas, the pot collectors, are staying at home wishing they had an R5 car rather than getting involved in whatever they can afford. So organizers can keep things on track. 
but you have to know what's going on everywhere else because in most cases the solution will be in some other territory being organized by some other uh, ASN. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good point. Very, very good point. And last question I have to ask you, I know you're over for, for Ulster. So what, what you've seen then in in recent times with, with Irish rallying, where, what's your view on and kind of where that's at at the minute? I don't think there's any country in the world that organizes national and international level events like Ireland, which is why we keep coming back. Because you have the fellas at the front pushing hard and, and keeping up with anybody who comes to visit. <clears throat> and you've got the big middle, uh, the modified cars, and then you've got the fellas down at the bottom with the Honda Civics and the little Group N uh, cars, production cars, turbocharged 1000cc hatchbacks, etc. So I don't think anybody could tell uh, Irish organizers how to do it. But I would say this, everywhere I've traveled, the, the people looking for the most fun are invariably the historic competitors. Historic competitors are not involved in championships, not really interested in championships. They bought the car usually because they love it. They, they love being in a service area full of old cars that you would only otherwise see in a museum. And they're choosing events based on the quality of the individual event. It is very important that historic competitors not be treated uh, specially, but be treated differently. And seeding historic cars together is very important to people who do historic events. And if you go to events around the world that are, that are centered around historic cars, you will see some amazing cars on tarmac events because obviously the escort has always dominated on gravel. If you go to a gravel historic event, you'll see a parking lot full of escorts on Porsche 911s. And you have the tarmac in Ireland to make incredible historic events. And all you got to do is seed them together, either at the front or at the back. Front, uh, preferably, is multiple stage opening cars. And I think that the historic uh, rallying in Ireland could be grown immensely. Yeah, it's one of the few, uh, few times, if ever, that you could say that the past is the future. That was exactly <laughs> our T-shirt from the, the 2010 uh, Barbados Historic Rally Carnival. The past is our future. That's exactly it. There's nothing more reassuring than knowing that your car sitting in your garage doesn't need a new engine, doesn't need a new gearbox, doesn't need new brakes, doesn't need to be updated in any way because it, nobody else can update theirs either. And if you, you know rallying is a technology race, right? So when everybody had a, <clears throat> a 2 liter Millington, then it went to a 2.3 liter Millington. Now they're 2.5 Millingtons and now they're Millington Series 2s and and on and on it goes. Historic rallying is not a technology race. You choose where you can afford to compete with a car that you like to drive, and that is it forever. That's that's why I'm so attracted to historic rallying. Mm -hmm. Greg, your enthusiasm was absolutely infectious. I really enjoyed chatting to you over the past half hour. I know we've plenty of promotion to do ahead of uh, of the carnival, which uh, we're looking forward to. We're going to have a chat with, with Tony as well about her endeavours. We will, of course, be be live over there in between the weeks I think so um, that's going to be good fun as well and we'll do a little recap afterwards and look all I can say is uh, I hope that you get the entry that you deserve there's an awful lot of work being put into it and we're obviously delighted to be to be a part of it as well so the very best look at everything Greg goes here and thanks for having a chat with us here alright thanks a lot bud see you soon